0: is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 235. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views and reviews. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading once again. And for you first-time listeners, we're glad you found us. Welcome aboard. We hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the man who streamed the mundane Green pay-per-view fight on Facebook now facing legal action – Samsung has started its intense marketing campaign to win back customer loyalty. GoPro's Karma drones have taken to the sky once again after a recall. And how does V8 racing champion Mark Scaife race a blacked-out car around the track using phones on the Vodafone network? In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out Netgear's Nighthawk X10 router and the Huawei Mate 9 smartphone. And we'll finish it off with the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Plenty to talk about, so let's get cracking. Well, last week on Friday, the big fight night, the Anthony Mundine and Danny Green fight. It was, their, it was actually their second fight. It was a pay-per-view event. It was held at the Adelaide Oval. I think there was about 26,000 people at the venue, but that was nothing compared to the number of people around the country that had paid their fifty-nine ninety-five to Foxtel's main event channel to watch the bout in their home. And there was a little bit of controversy, not only about what happened in the ring, and uh, we'll leave that story for another time. Uh, A lot of people think that Mundine won the fight, Green got the decision, but that is isn't the controversy we're talking about here today on the podcast. There was a man... Uh, not just one man, there were a couple of people who did this or actually several but the there is one man in particular who's been singled out because he was actually doing a couple of things well first thing he was doing was he were, he he was watching the fight in his home and he, after he'd paid his fifty nine ninety five for the stream. The next thing he did was to get out his phone and stream the television. So he just was filming the TV screen. He was streaming that film, that view, to Facebook Live. And he was doing it in such a way that it wasn't just limited to his friends, it was limited to anyone on Facebook who who could see the stream. And at one point, he had over 100, I think 115,000 people watching the stream. Now, if that isn't unusual enough... The story gets even better. While he was doing this, in fact, before the main event, before the main fight, it was in one of the, during one of the undercard bouts. I think it was the Quade Cooper bout. He receives a phone call from Foxtel. The gentleman in in question is named Darren Sharp, and he proceeded to record that phone call, put the phone on on loudspeaker, and. We heard the entire conversation. It was Foxtel asking him to turn off to stop streaming on Facebook live, and that he was okay to watch it on his on his own, enjoy it at his house. but streaming the fight was actually, and this is Foxtel's words, a criminal offense with the Copyright Act. Now they did mention the fact that there were technical protection measures within the box so you couldn't rebroadcast the signal through the box but there was nothing that could stop a person like Darren Sharp streaming the fight to Facebook using their Facebook Live feature. And this conversation went on for for quite a while. I have actually written out the entire transcript of the conversation on Facebook. And the conversation takes a couple of twists and turns where Sharp, the Foxtel customer, feels that he's in the right. He's paid for the stream. And he's just doing his friends and people who couldn't afford the fight a little favor. And naturally, he was hailed as a hero countrywide. There were memes appearing, uh, people thanking him for allowing them to watch the fight for free. And the Foxtel conversation continued, and during the conversation, I think he had already had about ninety thousand people who were watching the stream, and he expressed disappointment that he was going to have to disappoint that he was going to have to uh, stop the stream and disappoint those ninety thousand people. And Foxtel persisted. They said, "Look, you need to turn it off." Uh, and Sharp then asked the question, "Well, how did you get my number?" And they said that he used to have a Foxtel account, even though the fight was booked, I think, in his, through his girlfriend's account. But anyway, they probably did a bit of digging. They did a search on Facebook, obviously, saw the stream and decided to do something about it. Uh, there's a lot of people that are divided about whether Sharp has any uh, a risk of, of uh, being taken to court. Uh, there there are, have, have been comments from copyright lawyers to say, yes, he was actually in the wrong. He can face not only a hefty fine, but even jail time there have been others though that pointed out the fact that it is only a copyright infringement if in fact Darren Sharp the the offender or the alleged offender profited from that practice now he wasn't charging people any money he wasn't making any money of any kind he'd paid his 59.95 and it was pointed out that that 59.95 was to allow him to watch the fight in his home, in the privacy of his home. Now you'll know that of course the fight was shown in several public venues, so a lot of pubs and clubs had the fight, but those venues paid a lot more than fifty nine ninety five to broadcast to show it to their patrons. I'd say it it'd be a safe bet to say they paid several thousand dollars for that for the right to show that to multiple people. Now back to Darren Sharp, who paid his sixty bucks. Foxtel's Foxtel continually insisting for him to stop the live stream, and if you add up the number of people who watched the stream, more than one hundred and ten thousand. If you were to, to if you were to multiply that number by fifty nine ninety five, you are talking about millions of dollars that Foxtel missed out on because Sharp decided to stream this fight live across Facebook. There were several hundreds of thousands of people that watched the fight for free because of what he did. Now the the, the story continues, there is uh, there's already been uh, several memes. And the day after, on, on the on the Saturday morning, uh, Sharp was really basking in his notoriety. His Facebook page had gone crazy. There were a number of memes about him. Uh, he was being hailed a hero, and all, uh, and there was even a GoFundMe page set up in case Sharp is sued by Foxtel for copyright infringement. And at the last time I looked, I think there was about $1,000 in that GoFundMe page. The hashtag PrayForDarren was also trending as well. So it's uh, this story isn't over by any means. It's going to be interesting to see how Foxtel reacts to this. I think the law hasn't really caught up with the technology in this case, where there was no express ruling to say you can't do you can't stream it on Facebook live there was no uh, the, the the protection measures were all within the box so that you couldn't just simply connect a cable and get a free feed out of it uh, for someone else so they were all physical protections within the box but nothing to prevent someone simply holding their phone in front of the screen to stream across the internet. And Facebook created that facility. Whether they're liable in this situation, I doubt it, but it did give Sharp the opportunity to show the fight to hundred more than a hundred thousand people who didn't want to pay for it themselves and watch it for free. We'll keep an eye on that on this continuing story. But if you want to read the extraordinary exchange between Sharp and Foxtel and even watch that YouTube video that he took of the phone call, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. If you've been watching TV lately, uh, especially Sunday night or the in prime time, uh, prime time during the week, you will notice a few Samsung ads popping up, and these ads are actually in, in the wake of what happened with the Note 7. They're all about how Samsung has learned from its mistakes with the Note 7 and improved its manufacturing procedures and are now committed to making innovative but safe products. Now, this is obviously the start of Samsung's marketing campaign to reestablish itself as that trusted number one smartphone brand. Q4, so the fourth quarter of 2016, Samsung had actually given up the top position to Apple, and it was no coincidence that 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 quarter coincided with the release of the iPhone 7 and the demise of the Note 7, hence the reason why Apple took the lead. Samsung in 2016 sold more handsets overall, but the last quarter reported smartphone sales Apple was number one. Samsung of course, want to regain that mantle. they want to get that title back and this is the start of that clo the climb back up the mountain. and I, I wrote a piece several months ago uh, in in light of uh, in, in the wake of what happened with the note 7, and the two things that I said in my story written four or five months ago uh, Samsung has actually done. The first point I made was they need to reveal publicly what went wrong with the battery. They did that not only did they do that they revealed what went wrong with two batteries and even bought three outside companies to look at that as well and make their own conclusions the second point i made was that the samsung needed to use its marketing might to get back to the top to lift itself up off the canvas. The the quote that I used was was actually quoted Rocky Balboa. The Rocky Balboa film, where Rocky says, "Look, it ain't how how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit." And keep moving forward. I think that this is the process that we're seeing Samsung go through right now. They are showing that they can they can survive this. They are surviving this. They've got exciting products to release in the near future. Possibly even a new note device. We uh the, the rumors are pretty strong that they have not given up on the note brand. But it does it, it does show though that Samsung really want to show their customers. Whether they, the customers that are still there with them, customers they may have lost as a result of this, they want to show people that they are dedicated to creating innovative products but also keeping safety as their number one priority. And the the ad actually shows a few interesting things about the extensive battery testing. It shows them going through all their final checks, shows batteries being put through some rigorous testing, and just shows the, the, the scale of the testing and the checking that they're doing. They've got a new eight-point battery check. So the quality assurances they're putting their products through now are actually exceeding, what the industry demands. They're doing a lot more than they have to because of what what happened. And the the Note 7 recall was uh, something that that not only has cost them money on their bottom line, cost them billions of dollars, but it's something they've learned from as well. So it's uh, Samsung uh, doing their best. They've kicked off this massive marketing campaign. I've no doubt that if you're watching TV any night this week or next week, you'll probably see this ad. If you want to see it whenever you want to, you can check it out at my, my story. read all about it, and see the ad at techguide.com.au. Now, cast your mind back to late last year, when gopro's new karma drone was announced it was exciting news the this the camera the action camera company had come up with their first drone and on paper, it was an exciting product it had it had propellers and, and arms that folded in and folded down into a small backpack. It of course featured a GoPro camera and a, a, a handle that you could actually a stabilizing handle that you could actually take out of the drone and use as a handheld stabilizer as well well the excitement was was huge back in November last year when the the device came out came out in, in the us first didn 't quite make it to market uh, in Australia when trouble struck. What GoPro was describing as a performance issue was uh, forcing the drones, the GoPro Karma drone, to fall out of the sky. There were some amazing videos, and I used some of them on TechGuide when I was reporting this story, of the GoPro Karma's just simply falling out of the sky. Now, initially, there was some speculation as what might have been the cause of this problem from whether it was a battery cell issue or various other problems. And GoPro made the pretty brave decision of deciding to recall the drone. They decided, look, let's get them all back, let's check them all out, see what went wrong. So whether uh, uh, the Karma had failed, and of course, they they were reported by customers to GoPro, so they they took those devices back and, and examined them. And then every other drone, whether they'd crashed or not, they took them back as well. They wanted to look at all of them. So it took a bit of time. They did a pretty thorough investigation, and they came up with the problem. They found out what was causing the drones to fall out of the sky. And it was as simple as the latch holding the battery in place. The battery latch, obviously on the defective drones, wasn't tight enough to keep the battery in position. So what was happening was that the latch was coming undone, opening, and the battery was becoming detached from the drone itself and losing contact and thereby losing power. So what would happen? The drone, without power, falls from the sky. So now what they've done, they've taken it back, redesigned the battery latch, and now the Karma drone is back on sale in the US. In Australia, we're expecting it in the next month or so. I'm hearing late March, early April, before we see the GoPro Karma drone hit the market. When it does hit the market, it's going to be uh, 1,195 with a GoPro camera. Uh, and with a GoPro Hero Five camera, you can. Uh, it's going to cost one thousand six hundred and forty-nine. So with the older GoPro, one thousand one hundred ninety-five ninety-five. With the new GoPro Hero Five Black, it's one thousand six hundred and forty-nine ninety-five which only makes it about $50 cheaper than the DJI Mavic Pro, which was announced about a week later. And it too, very similar to the GoPro Karma drone, also folds down into a really small size so you can take it anywhere. That was the main attraction of the GoPro Karma uh, the fact that it can fold down into a little backpack really easy to take around it also comes with its own remote control with attached display so you don 't have to attach your a separate tablet or phone to the controller it 's got its own screen so you can fly it itself comes also with a backpack, lots of extra features, so pretty good value for money, but we haven 't seen it yet it 's not going to be here till about April. But if you want to check out the GoPro Karma, if you've got your eye on one, you can rest assured that that problem has been sorted, so they're not going to drop out of the sky as they did late last year. The GoPro Karma, it's back in the air. You can check out our story at techguide.com.au. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick this is a really interesting story and a really, really interesting way of demonstrating the strength of a network. In this case, we're talking Vodafone, the Vodafone network. And what they did, it was a really interesting little exercise. They, it involved Mark Scaife, the, the V8 racing champion. And what they did was they invited him to drive a BMW M6, a vehicle that Scaife was pretty familiar with. He's uh, spent plenty of hours behind the wheel of an M6. But the difference here was that they were going to black out the windows. They were going to make the windscreen, uh, block the windscreen completely with a big Vodafone, a big opaque Vodafone uh, panel. And what they were going to do instead was install three Samsung Galaxy S7 phones and use the cameras on those phones as the eyes of the car. So what would be involved here was the Samsungs would be having a live stream from their cameras and beaming it inside the vehicle to three Samsung tablets. So this is a test not only for the driver, but also a test for the network because they did this at the uh, Calder Park Raceway in Victoria, which is quite big, uh, and the car is traveling at high speed. So it was a really good way to test the strength of and and range of the Vodafone network in this instance. So those three smartphones were constantly live streaming to tablets inside the car, and it gave Scaife a view of what was in front of him. So rather than looking at his windscreen, he could only look at the three tablets in front of him that gave him like almost a simulator-type view of the road ahead. But to make things even more interesting and more dangerous... The Vodafone Australia CEO Inaki Berrieta, he was in the passenger seat and decided to run the hot lap with Scafe around the Cold Park raceway. Now that that raceway is in Victoria, so uh, the stakes were raised slightly there. Scaife not only had to look after himself, but also had the Vodafone boss in the passenger seat next to him. And that uh, that I think is the Vodafone boss putting his money where his mouth is, having faith in the network. And uh, the the drive was a complete success. Scaife made it around the track, and at high speed. I've got to say, uh, you can watch the video on Tech Guide. He wasn't slowing down. It was this was like a hot lap that he wanted to to run some kind of record. He was. Flying around the tracks, t- taking his turns and 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 really hitting the straights hard and breaking and, and then running into the next turn, it was like he was looking out the windscreen, but instead he was looking at the view on a tablet. He himself said it was like it was like a fair Dinkham real time simulator that he was using. Uh, that is a really interesting little exercise, Vodafone Australia top marks for illustrating the strength of the network, but doing it in a really visual way. And I highly recommend you head over to, to Tech Guide to check it out. The video is there, as are some images of the car bringing, being prepared. So if you want to check that video out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels, and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi could expose your most sensitive information, things like passwords, photos, credit card details, all these can be exposed to hackers and identity thieves. Norton Wi-Fi Privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected using the new Norton Wi-Fi Privacy app. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi Fi privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech guide. Now, a tech guide review with Stephen Fennett. Our first review this week is from Netgear, the Netgear X10 Nighthawk X10 router. Now this is uh, netgear as as you know are a sponsor of the program, and this is a brand new product from them so this review uh, is we've just done some pretty thorough testing with this product and I have to say this is probably the best router that i've used and and routers have come a long way in a short space of time in in the matter of a couple of years. Routers have really gone from strength to strength. And the reason that routers need to be a lot better, a lot more efficient with wider range is what I call the Netflix effect. And it's only since Netflix really became available in Australia that people were really taking notice of their wireless networks, the efficiency of the network, and just how well uh, the range they had and the type of speed they could achieve in their home. Because with Netflix, and if you've got a smart TV or a device, you're streaming it and you're at the mercy of your router. Whether your router can do can keep up with the stream, if it's 4K, uh, that's another story. So it's only now that people have really paid attention to the quality of the network in their home, the Wi-Fi, the strength of their Wi-Fi, and doing something about it because they want to enjoy Netflix. They don't want to have the interruption of, of buffering. A lot of people like playing online games. They want that added advantage of speed. Well, in a nutshell the Netflix, the Netgear, I should say, the Netgear Nighthawk X ten absolutely ticks all the boxes. Now this is a device that's got has got combined wireless speeds of up to seven point two gigabits per second. And this is this is a device that has eight oh two eleven AC on board, which is the recent standard, but also the new eight oh two eleven AD on board. Now, the importance of that of the new format is the fact that the AD format is actually three times faster than 802.11ac. Uh, typically, 802.11ac tops out about 1.3, gigab- 1.3 gigabits per second, whereas 802.11ad can hit speeds of 4.6 gigabits per second. Now, picture this in your home with the numerous Wi-Fi devices, And also coping with what those devices are demanding, whether it's a live stream, whether it's a game, whether it's browsing, whether it's anything, uh, the device, the router has to handle all of those requests on the network and consistently handle it across the range and the size of your home. Well, we did a test to to, uh, to showcase that speed and range that we'll talk about in a minute. But the device itself, on the design side, pretty aggressively styled, as are all the Nighthawk routers. That's what I really like about them. And not the smallest footprint. It's about 22.5 centimeters wide, so it takes up a bit of space. What I do with mine is I actually uh, mount it on the wall. It's on the wall behind my computer. Uh, so it doesn't take up any space at all. It just sits on the wall. So if you are short of space on your desktop, that could be a solution. You could mount it on the wall. There are seven gigabit Ethernet ports on the back so you can connect hardwired devices like your, if your smart TV's nearby, gaming console, set-top box, Blu-ray displayer. There are two USB 3 ports on the left side so you can connect a printer or an external hard drive. If you do connect an external hard drive, which is what we did, and you've got movies and other content on board... What you find on the Nighthawk is the a Plex. It acts as a Plex server. So if you've got a movies on an external hard drive, if you a, access those movies and that content on other devices in the network, because it's got Plex on board, and if you use a Plex app, it'll actually provide a synopsis, poster. So it really, it really sorts out your content. So it, it makes it look like a real library, and you get all that added information uh, with your files as well. That was a handy feature. There's also a way for you to connect a NAS drive. That's a network attached storage drive and give you pretty fast access to all your information, your data, your files, and your documents from anywhere. So you can you can uh, log into that from anywhere in the world. Now, the Nighthawk X10, it has these four external antennas that really amplify the signal. There's patent pending technology in those antennas and really amplifies the signal to increase the range in your home. It's got also multiple user, multiple input, multiple output technology to improve that streaming, and it also has a really simple setup, and it's all th- done through the Netgear Up app. Now, you, a lot of people get intimidated by the 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 complexity of of adding a router to their network, but. This was really simple. It took a matter of minutes to be to be step through the whole process. It found the router, allowed us to change the name of the router, uh, and also the passwords, and do all that within minutes. We were connected, and it was and it was running on the network within three or four minutes. That's how easy it was. Well, the test we did in the in our home was using the Telstra Wi-Fi Maximizer app. What this does is maps the, your Wi-Fi connection and speeds at various points in your home. Now, we did a comparison with a rival router. I won't name the router. Let's just call it device A, and we mapped the the bottom floor of our two-story home and took different Wi-Fi speed measurements uh, in in the home and did the same thing for the Nighthawk X10. And what we found was uh, with, let's call it device A, that we moved around and we we saw our measurements and at various points in the home, it showed us a little heat map too that showed us that the strength of the network was basically around where the router was and nearby. But as soon as you moved to a room or two away from the router, speeds dropped to, got down to as low as 15 megabits per second. Uh, The highest speed we had was 70 megabits per second at point A, which was actually quite close to the router. That was with device A. I'm not going to name the brand, but it's uh, not not too old a router. It is an 802.11 AC router, and uh, it it produced those results. Now, moving on to the Nighthawk, the Nighthawk X10, we saw a massive improvement. So the heat map was a lot larger. So we saw uh, a lot more a lot more range around uh, the device itself. They were both sat next to each other. So they were located in the same room in the house, but the range offered by the Nighthawk X10 and speeds at all those other points was way better. We're talking 240 megabits per second at point A, uh, all, uh, all the way down to only the lowest was one eighty-three megabits per second at one of the furthest points away from the router. Uh, but generally, the quality was a lot higher, and the the uh, the range sort of the the heat map showed that the connectivity with using the X10 was a lot wider. So the quality of connection, speed of connection, was really easy to see that the Nighthawk X10 uh, had a, showed a massive improvement. One little thing against it, it's expensive. It's $799.00. Now, I think, though, it's pretty easy to justify spending that amount of money to give you peace of mind that your network is going to be up to scratch. I think once you see that it can handle just the sheer number of devices we have in our home, but also the, the quality of that connection, streaming content smoothly, uh, you'll see that I think uh, that $799 is a, a price that a lot of customers will be willing to pay for that peace of mind the Netgear Nighthawk X10 router. If you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we're going to talk the Huawei Mate 9. This is a new smartphone. It's out this week, and we've had it for about a week, and we've put it through its paces. Now, this is a really interesting device. Huawei have really gone from strength to strength in their devices over the past couple of years. We really like the P9. That was that dual-camera uh, That dual camera. Device that was uh, launched in the middle of last year. Well, Huawei's brought that dual lens technology to the Mate 9, and that that includes a Leica lens. That's through the partnership with Leica. They have brought that quality to the Mate 9 as well. It's got a 5.9 a full HD display, 5.9 inch display. Uh, has a pretty cool design too. It's pretty thin, uh, really nice to hold in your hand. It's, it's available in gold and gray. So design-wise, it really does tick the boxes, it does look really good, and it does build on the features that Huawei are well known for, including that great camera. The device is running its own e- EMUI 5 software, and that's running on top of Android, of course. So it does give the device uh, a not-too-bloated feel. There's not too much extra. You know, you get some Android devices, there's so many extra apps, and it just feels like a real real bloatware. Uh, the Huawei system doesn't feel too bad. It's actually quite a nice experience and runs really nicely above Android. Now, the device itself has has a lot of great features, but the two I'm going to concentrate on for this review are the camera and the battery. Now, the camera... Uh, it really does, really exceed exceeded my expectations. The camera on board uh, is, is, is a 12-megapixel uh, sensor for the color lens, and there's the mono lens has a 20-megapixel resolution, and together they work to take really sharp pictures. So if you want to just take monochrome photos, you've got a dedicated monochrome lens, but if you want to take really nice photos, uh, color photos, then those two lenses combine. What I like about it is that it's it's you can you can use it just as a, a point and shoot or you can really get into the detail and and do things like uh like the the built-in the the dual lens give it that uh that depth of field look uh, you can you can take photos where you know you can blur the background, blur the foreground, take great monochrome photos. There's there's also beauty mode on there, so your selfies are going to look really nice. But that depth of field though, they call it the bokeh effect. That's B O K E H. That is a offers. A, the depth of field effect, which is similar to what you can see on the iPhone 7 Plus. But I noticed with the 7 Plus, you actually need to be a fair way away from your subject. Uh, you need a lot of light for it to work really well. And when it does work, it's brilliant. But what I found with the Huawei Mate 9 was that it it was it, it could do the same thing, but in a shallower, so you're not far away from your subject. So a shallow depth of field effect where you weren't too far away from your subject to begin with. Uh, so that's uh, for you, all you photography enthusiasts. That's something that you can look forward to getting your hands on with the the Mate Nine. It's got a really good uh, autofocus as well. The four four to one hybrid focus. So you got laser focus, phase detection focus depth focus and contrast focus. All these things working together means you're going to focus on your subject really, really quickly. And the photos, uh, the quality of the images, you'll see that in my review, are absolutely stunning. So if you love taking lots of photos and you like having lots of control over your photos, then definitely worth a look. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is the battery. Now, the battery on the Mate 9 is probably one of the best features. I had my SIM card in this device, was using it uh, as, and I'm still actually using it as my device, was using it as my phone. So I was using, doing all my social media, all my emails, all my phone calls, everything I was doing uh, that I normally do on my other phones, I was uh, on the Mate 9 full-time all day for several days in a row, still using it now, and I got from this device, I think it's got a 4000 milliamp hour battery on board. I got almost two full days of battery life. And I I got two full workday. So nine o'clock in the morning until about 6pm the following day, I had battery and I still could, I I got it down to about 6%, seven like 5% That still probably would have lasted an hour or 45 minutes, but I decided to charge it again. So two full workdays it gave me. So not only was the battery impressive, but the fast charging is also very impressive as well. And with fast charging, you can. I went from 5% to 100%, I think in about 85 minutes, which is pretty impressive. It's a 4,000 milliamp hour battery, and it got me a full charge in less than an hour and a half. And even the fast charging, uh, that fast charging works if you're in a hurry as well. So if you're rushing out the door, you think, oh no, I've only got 10%. You can connect it for just a matter of minutes, five to 10 minutes, and still have several hours of charge from that short connection. It is really impressive. And and Huawei, once again, uh, showcasing their new, their recently included fast charging technology. The Huawei Mate 9, is priced at $999. If you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they've introduced Orbi, the world's first tri band Wi Fi system. Orbi gives you reliable, secure, and crazy fast Wi Fi to every inch of your home. That's right, everywhere. No more dead zones upstairs, no drop connections through walls, just better Wi Fi everywhere. Orbi reaches up to 370 square meters through Wi Fi barriers like walls, stairs, and doors. With a dedicated internet connection, Orbi helps prevent buffering while streaming your favourite movies and shows. No matter how many devices are connected, you have ultra-fast Wi-Fi speeds. The Orbi tri-band Wi-Fi system works with your existing modem to maximise the speed you're paying for. Orbi's sleek design and state-of-the-art technology steals the show. It gives your home a superior Wi-Fi network that's both easy to set up and elegant to display. With just a couple of clicks, your secure Wi-Fi network will be ready in no time. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Or be better Wi Fi everywhere. Tech guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. For the Tech Guide Help Desk this week, I thought I would go over a, a bit of a TV buying guide. I think that the, the amount of time we normally hold on to TVs, if you're coming into the market in 2017, after having a TV for, let's say, eight to 10 years, you're going to find that the landscape has changed completely. The TV that you bought eight to 10 years ago is nothing like the TVs you can buy today. So I just want to take you through a few little little tips and some terms that can help you buy the TV that suits you. Now, first of all, the screen size. When you bought your TV, uh, probably 42-inch might have been the average size. Today, the entry level, the new normal, is 55 inches and getting bigger. There's several companies on the market, some new Chinese brands like Hisense and TCL, offering comparable quality at much lower prices. And these companies offer much bigger TVs for... TVs that are smaller from uh, well-known brands. So you want to get a big TV, uh, you're probably going to say pay the same price for that big for, TV from one of these cheaper brands as a smaller TV from one of the larger and no, well-known brands. One thing to watch out for too, 4K ultra-high definition, that is the resolution of most TVs. I would recommend paying a little bit extra for the 4K. It's not that much extra, to be honest. 4K ultra high definition, that refers to the resolution of the TV. 4K is four times the resolution of the full high definition TV you're replacing. So things are going to look a lot sharper. There's plenty of content through Netflix, other subscription services, and 4K Blu-ray discs you to enjoy every pixel on that TV. Now the formats of TV have also changed. LG is one of the only manufacturers with OLED, that's organic light emitting diode TVs. Now these TVs don't require a backlight. They illuminate by themselves when a charge is passed through. That means that when it's when a pixel is on, it is totally black sorry, when a pixel turns off, it is completely black. So a pixel, it's either on or off. When it's off, the black level is incredible. And not having a backlight means the OLED TV is going to be super, super thin. Check out my story on Tech Guide. Have a look at the signature LG TV, the wallpaper TV we call it. I took a photo next to a pen and it makes the pen look like a cricket stump. It only extends four millimeters from the wall. Really need to see it to believe it. The other format to that you 'll hear about is the is q LED this is samsung 's latest quantum dot technology the latest version has new alloy quantum dot particles and what these do is they change light into a billion colors so it 's a filter that creates everything the human eye can see while still being energy efficient q led that is samsung 's technology. U LED is from HiSense. This is one of the rising brands in Australia. They've got a bit of momentum behind them. Their 2017 models are going to include ULED technology as did their 2016 models, but it has slightly improved again. It's actually covered by 17 patents. U stands for ultra, so you're going to get better color, better local dimming, better motion rates, and ultra high definition resolution. The other term to keep an eye out for is HDR. That's short for high dynamic range. This is a feature you're going to find on every TV. All the latest TVs in 2017 are are going to have HDR on board. And what HDR basically is, it reveals a lot more detail in the color. So brighter whites, blacker black, and a lot more detail in between. So you can actually see more depth in the image, more color range. That's why it's called high dynamic range. So HDR, something to look out for uh, when you're buying a TV. All those features, keep them in mind. I've actually written a story about them so you can uh, get to know these features if you are in the market for a new TV in 2017. If you want to read that story, you can find it at techguide.com.au. And that's the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've spoken about, of course, at techguide.com.au. Please get in touch with us as well. If you want to get in touch, send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. Or you can send me a tweet at Stephen Fennec on Twitter, and that's Stephen Spilt with a PH. And I will promise I will reply to you if you send me a shout-out on Twitter. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. And also a shout-out to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.